you are sick of oppressive religious systems but are not willing to let go of faith altogether, this podcast is for you. In this show, we hear from inspirational people tackling real issues of faith that actually matter in this world. Welcome to Jesus Never Ran. The church is wrong to argue that the Bible justifies any sort of discrimination, oppression, marginalization of those who are not straight. Well, the reason why you ain't got no black folks in your congregation is because we don't show up to places where we're not welcome, and we know we're not welcome based off the conversations you demand that we don't have because of the questions you insist on us not asking because of the answers you don't want to live. And the idea that the best being in the universe can't come up with a better solution to the problems of the universe than to torture people forever, eternally. You just start thinking, if that's as good as God is, this is a pretty depressing universe. Hey everyone, before we jump into the interview, just a couple of quick words about our sponsors, Rise Nutrition from Menominee. You can find out all about what they have going on by going to Facebook and looking up Rise Menominee, and that's Rise with a Z, or give Angie a call at 715 309 2706. And then our friends over at Infinity Beverages, don't forget that Thursday is buy one, get one for club members. And if you want more information on how to sign up or if you want to order online, go to infinitybeverages.com. This week on the show, for the second week in a row, Grammy-nominated, Dove Award-winning singer, songwriter, speaker, and activist, Jennifer Knapp. Any time that we reveal something fundamental and important about who we are, it's always a vulnerable move. It's always super scary, and we're always, you know, nervous or anxious or afraid and looking for the support that somebody says, oh, this thing about you? Okay. I love you with that, too. You're with me everywhere I go. You always love to wind and roll. It's why we're standing here right now. Yeah, we found our way somehow. When I think of all you've traded Let me wonder why you've waited Waited for me to lock it down Let this ring that's on your finger Remind you that love comes back around That beautiful song is called Love Comes Back Around off of the album by the same title. And just like last week, all of the music on the show today will be Jennifer's original music. If you missed last week, you might want to just put the pause on this episode and go back and listen to Jennifer's first episode because she goes through really her career, how she broke from the Christian music industry, and really where she's at now. And so today, we're going to dig in a little bit deeper. We're going to talk about some of her advocacy work. But I wanted to start by just checking in with Jennifer about what it means to her to be a Christian now, or more specifically, what Christianity looks like to her now all of a sudden i just see things wildly differently that revelation was that i could be a part of potentially communicating with god that 
began a, a moment in my life where I'm like, the, my, my world has never been the same since then. Even when I don't want to do this, when I don't care, when I resist it, I am now part of seeing the world like the matrix that is bigger than me, that has energy and spirit within it that I get to be involved in. So when I say that I'm a Christian at this point, I'm now participating in a larger conversation that was going before me, it will go on after me, and when and if I choose to participate or have a conversation with God, with the spirit, with the spirit world, and all the things that are inside of that, whether you're a nerd, an academic, a theologian, or you're a worship person, or you're a community building person, it's an invitation to a world and being able to see the way that matrix works and knowing how and learning how to be flowing with that conversation. I am learning to be able to have a conversation about faith and spirituality. I'm not interested in learning about having a dictated ideology about what faith and spirituality are. To me, that's becoming a particular kind of Christian as opposed to Christianity is giving me a language with which to speak to God. If that's a way that's helpful for people to kind of understand that what we're in is not necessarily trying to craft ourselves into something, but being able to equip ourselves to be able to participate with God. That's all it is. It's like learning how this world works. What is it that I can do? What, what is it I can discover? Is there a new skill? Is there a language that I can use? Is there a perspective? Is there a mountaintop I can stand on and see a better view of the world? All of these things. So that's, that's kind of the angle that I go at anymore. I'm not necessarily concerned anymore about being a member of a church. I'm being interested in being in a conversation with God and what that means. Wouldn't this be a radically different place if we actually took that as our approach to our faith? As opposed to trying to work within these boundaries of what we call Christianity, what if we just tried to experience God every day in whatever way that God seemed fit that we should experience him? Don't you think that the world would be different? People around us would be blessed. It would just be uh, just be so much better. I love that perspective. Jennifer Knapp is a openly gay woman in this world. That is something that she exposed about herself when she came back after her time away from the music industry. And obviously, in the evangelical Christian circles, that is going to get people talking. So I want you to hear her beautifully wise perspective on that experience. Any time that we reveal something fundamental and important about who we are, it's always a vulnerable move. It's always super scary. And we're always, you know, nervous or anxious or afraid and looking for the support that somebody says, oh, this thing about you. Okay. I love you with that too. So, you know, LGBTQ stuff is, I don't want to like lessen it at all, but it is one of those things where it's like, we're always, whenever we're revealing a truth about our inherent selves is, is always a very vulnerable thing for us to do and scary. And anything that you've ever shared with anybody across the board, if you don't understand what it's like to be LGBTQ, imagine that moment where you were afraid that somebody wouldn't like you for who you were and the things that you couldn't change about yourself in that moment and how much you just needed somebody to just go, hey, man, I'm still here with you. I think that would answer so many of the world's problems if we would just get good at saying that to people. No matter what you're going through, no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, what you think, 
all of that, if we just said, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm still here, I'm not leaving. That's the message that we give to our kids. That's hopefully the message we give to our close friends. Wouldn't it be nice if we afforded that message to everybody around us and we stopped, you know, taking this crazy moral high ground to think that we know what's right and what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what's sin and what's not. That is one of the things that constantly gets the church and Christians into trouble over and over again. It's very easy, I think, even for myself at times to to hear the collective voice of of the rest of the world or and it, it gets really big because it feels like, and I think especially in our modern society where it's not just our neighbors and it's not just maybe our city, like we see the whole world now because we live with social media, we are on the internet, we're all connected into this greater thing. When I was a kid, I don't remember the world being so big. And when I was a kid, I don't really remember hearing the voice of the world from so far away, right? And now like that, happens as soon as I get up and I sit in front of my computer. I hear that voice and I am thinking, even you know, even if I'm not conscious necessarily of it all the time, but I do think that there are moments where you you do hear that big, massive voice of everybody kind of starting to judge you or th- figure out how you're going to fit into their world. And that, you know, to me, that's why it becomes important to know who you are, to get confident about who you are in your own person, and to kind of incrementally move out, you know, to have support with your friends and your family, and to know your own world well enough that when it starts to kind of expand and have to know how to comfort further and further away from that center, that you still know how to go back to that center and value it and care for it and nurture it and have the people around you that actually have value and importance and influence in that and help being you protect and preserve those boundaries. Don't I remember you fondly? Ain't that the way when you're feeling so lonely? How many more mornings after will I still hear the sound of your laughter? I am missing you in your familiar forms like a sound of I think in terms of like the LGBTQ conflicts that I've had inside of faith community, the interesting thing for me in my own personal experience has been how little face-to-face aggression I've ever received. Like nobody's ever looked me in the eye and said the same bullshit that they'll say on the internet or anonymously or from a distance or even in an old school handwritten letter that people have sent me with no return address. I mean, those kinds of moves, like I think that's to me that that does two things. One, it speaks of just how personal and how how much we actually regard one another when we're face to face and to understand how that space, particularly to this audience, is sacred and how disruptive that is when we're not caring for it. And so we do tend to hold our tongues. We do tend to not say the things that are in the back of our minds like, hey man, I don't really trust you or I don't agree with your opinion and you're going down some path. Like some people will say it because they feel I think pressured to kind of get back with the horde if the horde is trying to to shape this narrative in a different way and not include you. But the second thing about that that I think is incredible is that in keeping that in mind, it gives you a way of understanding that the things that we hear from a distance are not actually 
speaking the truth of the way that they will respond in their future when that proximity closes down. Because the thing that we need in that sacred space is also the thing the person sharing that sacred space needs. So I'd like to think that that it's true when I say that we need that sacred space to be involved and safe and not that I believe in ultimate safety, but we need to have a consideration of that and we're all working to preserve that. And so when that proximity gets into place for you, even with somebody who's lived without you in it, then they haven't had to consider your circumstances. That will come into play actually if you can get a little bit closer. To be able to lessen the distance that we have between us is not necessarily an ideological distance. I'm not talking about the ideological difference. My hypothesis is that that ideological difference is less of a concern to me if I can shrink the actual physical and social proximity. So when you get that social proximity, when we're closer to one another, when you're looking in the eye, when we're sharing the same space and understanding that we're in the process of needing to share that same space, then those ideological differences have a chance only then do they have a chance to kind of come along with us and to not be so wide, to not be so polarized, to not be so at odds with one another. If we are tending to the social care in that space, that's my hope anyway. That is a beautiful hope. If we can just bring that distance closer, that makes so much sense because I bet most people listening to this show right now know what Jennifer's talking about in a different way. You know, there's certainly some people that listen to this show that have probably had similar experiences that Jennifer has, but then there's others of us who know what it means like to be hurt by others when they create a large social proximity, they keep their distance, yet they still want to run their mouths off. And I know for me, going from normal evangelical world to now being in the space that I am and having this podcast, I know how many people listen to this podcast. I know the scope that it has. And I also know that there's people that would say that they're concerned about me or worried about me, but none of those people have said it to my face yet. Yet I've heard many conversations about people saying it to other people's faces. And it doesn't bother me in the least. If anything, it gets me excited that people are talking about it because I think we have to talk about these things. But I would love to say that I am so excited to continue to have this conversation face-to-face with people. And anybody that would want to have any sort of conversation about faith, I am open to it and I'm excited about it. And when that social proximity becomes closer and smaller, it creates opportunities for such fulfilling and wonderful conversations. Conversations like I've had over the years with my wife, conversations like I've had over the years with some close friends, spaces where we don't necessarily have to agree with one another, but it certainly is helpful to hear each other's perspective and through it all to make sure that we allow each other to know that we're cared for and we're loved. And this is where social media becomes a problem. This is where gossip becomes a problem. This is where all of that becomes a problem because the message that Jesus shares with us is that we say things face-to-face. It's that we deal with things face-to-face, that we're not afraid of conflict. We're not afraid of conversation. And we can all learn from Jennifer's story. Now, Jennifer has started an organization to help her in her advocacy role for the LGBT community. And it's called Inside Out Faith. Inside Out Faith is basically the work that I do 
in and around LGBTQ advocacy. So it's really not that complicated. When and if you see me hanging out in a church and actually having a specific conversation about theological issues, faith, that's usually where I'm having it is in an inside out faith kind of mode. So on one sense, we're not doing a lot in terms of like the classic, you know, nonprofit. I'm not organized quite that much in this way, you know, like funding events or doing things like that. It's just me partnering with other churches, you know, I'll go out and I'll, I'll sing a little bit, I'll talk a little bit, and I'll bring my gay person of faith person to the table. And we know that that's what, that's the conversation we're having. So that's the kind of space that we're working in there. I do have some goals inside of that, but um, for the most part, it's, it's making the distinction in my professional career. This is the advocacy side of LGBTQ faith, the responsibility that I have, and I see that I have to that and the, the education that I I'm doing in that direction. And then, and it's been really helpful actually in terms of people understanding, I think that with the existence of the foundation, people understanding, oh, she's working for IOF right now, as opposed to when we go out to on a bar on Friday night, I think particularly from the secular world and the mainstream world, not being concerned that I want to go out to do that show and bring the church in there. Not that I don't get to be, I'm always myself, no matter where I go, I'm kind of the same person. But it's just like, man, if we're not talking about gay church stuff today, like, dude, let's just have a beer and hang out and like see where the conversation goes. So we're working alongside oftentimes with churches who are interested in supporting their LGBTQ community at at home. Sometimes we've been involved in conversations where churches are trying to shift. Sometimes we've just been outreaches from, you know, affirming churches out into the community to let their community know that not all Christians are anti-LGBTQ. So um, there are a variety of different ways I get to participate in that. And Inside Out Faith is one of the ways that I get to do that. The donations that I get inside of Inside Out Faith allows for me to actually go out and do that. So it, it you know, for me on my own speaking time to actually make time for that. So the example is there are churches that want to do this and they don't always have the money to outreach into their communities and let them know that they're doing this work and they're a safe place for LGBTQ people to come and find them and have a faith community. Getting me to come to town and putting up a bunch of billboards is a really fun way to do that. And IOF can help supplement the cost of doing, doing stuff like that. So it's just a little bit of investment in that. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Here we are in 2020 and there is still far too few. There are so few churches that are open and affirming to the LGBTQ community. So many say, yes, you're welcome here, but there's always a line. Whether that line is that you can't get married here, whether that line is that you can't serve here, whether that line is that you can't play the ukulele on the worship team or be an usher, whether you can't be a member, there's a line in almost every church. And so I'm so thankful for Jennifer's work and so hopeful that more and more doors of churches will be opening to people who are in the LGBTQ community. And I dream of a day, and I hope it happens before I leave this earth, I dream of a day when there's more churches that are open and affirming than there are churches that are not and we have conversations and we say remember when remember when people who were gay weren't welcomed in churches aren't you so thankful that we're here now that's a day i dream of for sure the goals i have inside of that are basically just to help lgbtq people kind of be seen it's not really that complicated when we started this or when i came out in 2010 so that's you know 10 years ago a decade ago it was a real risk to be able to to do that and i'm not i'm not saying those risks have been mitigated today but it's a lot easier now 
to not feel like you're having to start from, from ground zero. You know, there's another 10 years of people like myself, you know, Shelly Wright, there are guys like uh, Ty Herndon. You know, he's a country music artist that came out. This idea that, you know, conservative worlds have had LGBTQ people living in them for a long time, including faith-based communities. So the more that we talk about this and having to be not just such an adversarial conversation, that's been part of my goal. So just continuing to just be seen and be verbal and to be participating and normalizing the participation of LGBTQ people in the daily lives of our society. You know, getting people to understand that LGBTQ life involves faith. It's not just, you know, the, the pride parades and tidy whities and, you know, the ex- exhibition of sexual flamboyance and extremism. I think that's a part of it and it's a great celebration to be had. But when the weekend party is over, people still need and want a spiritual life and a spiritual community. And for, for Inside Out Faith's part of it, connecting that and making that realization both for the the queer people like i've i've been on conversations on both sides of it where it's just like you know the individual lgbtq person who's now lost their church because they they believe that they've lost it because they've come out and their church in particular even their family says we can't accept you you can't be gay if you want to be here and you want to have this family and this connection and some people make choice along that line but the, the thought that happens sometimes is my spiritual life is over you know if i'm going to be whole as an lgbtq person and, and come to terms with my sexuality my gender then i'm going to have to leave the spiritual side of it behind because that community has taught me that it will not accept me that doesn't end time after time after time if, if you're a person who seeks faith and seeks spiritual community that thing just doesn't get flipped off like a switch no more than your gender or your sexual orientation got flipped on or off with the switch, right? You have to figure out how to come to terms with that. And so that's part with the, you know, for the LGBTQ community who have definitely been marginalized by faith communities saying, okay, no, seriously, it's okay for you to want to have a faith in a spiritual life. Now it's worth the effort to kind of work our way back or to build our communities and what that is. So connecting people to the places that's already happening. But on the other side of it, you're looking at bad theologies, bad church practices. You know, I think on one end, I've, I take the, the philosophy that you're never really going to eliminate that teaching. I genuinely don't suspect that the Southern Baptist Convention, as an example, is going to change their teaching on LGBTQ affirmation. Like, I assume, my assumption is that's not going to change. But having the conversation to me is still important. Some people genuinely are gay Southern Baptists. Like, that's the kind of Christianity, that's the kind of Christian you want to be. That's the way you see the world as a Southern Baptist, as a Christian. That's your community and those are your people, except for this one thing over here. I'm not the person to speak to that because I'm not Southern Baptist. But the thing I will say is that my hope is that if that environment means something to you, go in and live in it if you can. And that's the part of our community that can join up around each other and help and support each other and keeping on having the conversation going, this is a theological idea. This is an ideological, you know, this is dogma. This is not you. And this is not personal. They may not change this, but you can live in protest against that and let them see that. And I think at some point in time, my goal is to be able to show that, that we can 
have a lot of different people that are living in a variety of different ways, but we can share that with one another and find a way to share that in that space. So I've lost interest in trying to change, but I think those communities that do hold those ideologies can change when they start to realize that inside of those churches, I mean, the Southern Baptist Convention is already experiencing that. There are a bunch of out gay Christians that are still participating in the Southern Baptist community, and they're kind of like they're there like we're here like this is who I am and this is what I'm going to be and you're going to have to adjust so I think that's part of it I think somewhere in there in the middle we start to share the sacred spaces there's a seat for every season that will meet the back that bends a hunger that only harvest men Too often we take this approach as if there's like a one answer fits all idea. And when we're talking about a situation like Jennifer's and just talking in general about the LGBT community, and we could talk about a lot of other issues as well, it's not one size fits all. It's not there's one answer that just blanket covers everything. And we can't just expect people to change overnight. It's going to be a process. I mean, my change to in my belief systems took a long time. It was this ever-evolving process and i hope that it's going to continue to change and evolve as we move forward because people aren't just going to change because you think they should genuinely as a theologian would say there are some theologies that are absolutely profoundly wrong profoundly damaging and should cease and desist operating however that being said if you're the person who holds that theology ceasing and desisting without understanding and just learning by rote is not the way to solve that problem you have to be involved in a community you have to to begin to be empathetic as to why that is damaging nobody changes none of us changes our ideas about anything no matter what it is None of us changes unless we start to realize that we need to change it and that we're motivated to change it, either by empathy, our own personal consequences. It does me no good to tell you that, hey, Matthew, you're wrong. You need to change and you need to do it this other way right now if you don't know what you're doing and why you're doing it and you're not motivated to do it. So often I hear from people who believe the same way that I believe or think the same way that I think when it comes to gender issues, LGBTQ, racism in our country and in our world. But the sticky point is often just this wondering of what can I do in my world? What can I possibly do to help? I believe this. I want to help. I want to be a difference maker in this space. I want to be part of the change. But understanding that first step is always extremely difficult. For me personally, I don't need an ongoing broadcast of how sorry you are. What I need is a broadcast of action. And what I mean by action is not necessarily I'm expecting you one day to be an ally and go out and march in a bunch of pride parades and start reorganizing your entire curriculum at your, at your church. But you might very well do that. I mean, that's an option, right? Like, there are really simple ways that you can begin to express that allyship. And so let's talk about like, say you're part of your Bible study at church or maybe on the side or whatever. That awareness, just having that awareness when you read through the curriculum that you've chosen or that you're creating going, well, you know, how does this include LGBTQ people? Does this teaching offend them in some way? And if you don't know that, 
specifically, maybe go to somebody inside of that vein or, or do the education on your part to be able to figure out how that you can make room for this and not narrow it down to just a heteronormative a normative teaching. The same thing applies to race <laughs> all the way across the board. When our awareness goes up, to me, yes, you can get on the bandwagon and be, you know, go join protests and and join PFLAG or GLAD or the you know, Reconciling Ministries Network for the United Methodist Church has got different ways of being organized and involved. There are a variety of different ways you can do that. But on a day-to-day basis, just opening your mind up to the opportunities and the awareness of going, has this been an, an inclusive moment? Do I necessarily need to broadcast it out? Hey, everyone, I'm changing course. Yesterday, I used to do it like this, but now I'm aware and everyone noticed me because I'm being an ally. Like, you know, yeah, Tam it down the broadcast of your allyship like the best way that you can love the hell out of somebody is love the hell out of them you know the less song and dance you do about it and the more you just show up and be available to that i think that's just the number one place to start two i think you know there are some subtle ways open the door to awarenesses be educated if you aim to change something in your leadership in your space like be educated about that the third inside of faith-based communities i think about is you know how you start to be an ally is i think you can just kind of be be honest about where your church is at make an assessment of where your church is at when and how you want to participate with that sometimes the shocking moment is to realize that your church isn't affirming for an example and whether or not you're going to just leave or or stay and participate i often think about bishop gene robinson at that point he was one of the big wigs in the uh, episcopal church before he retired archbishop in the american episcopal church and he said once if we all just keep jumping like rats from the ship no it's not going to be anybody on the ship anymore we're all going to be without a community and drowning in the water basically we're all as we found out finding lumps of wood to kind of get our other other rats on but that's all to say is like if you can stay and this uh, this applies to lgbtq people too what gene robinson said is if you can stay then by all means stay be a part of nurturing your community and helping it along and being part of that education figuring out whether you want to be a combatant inside of that space or you know a peaceful urger whatever your personality is or whatever that space will allow for or whether or not you genuinely need if you the answer that maybe you can't stay you genuinely psychologically spiritually can't stay you need to go to some place where you're nurtured like pay attention to those decisions there's no right or wrong way about doing them except by making the decision that's like actually not true and helpful to me i think the point of all this is to say like there's a real pressure out there to feel like to be an ally that you have to check off all these boxes and you have to know all these things and all of a sudden you know have to sign up to the pfac flag group or you have to be perfect in all your language don't be perfect today just start loving the hell out of people and then next get educated and three when you can participate and when you participate participate well prostrate kneeling on the floor skin and bone against a board nervous brow and sweaty fingers dimpled chin against a fist if this is faith this is it across the lips and hope to linger Whatever I ask for, you say you'll get 
my hope is pinned. I offer it up, though I can't see in all of this, all of this return to me. What an honor and a privilege to spend some time with Jennifer Knapp. Make sure that you follow her, keep tabs on her, listen to all of her music, download all of her music. You can find out more about her and everything she's got going on by going to her website at jenniferknapp.com. Knapp is spelled K-N-A-P-P. Of course, if you want to support this podcast and this adventure, Make sure you subscribe to Jesus Never Ran, give it a five-star rating, and write a review. Until next time, keep walking. Won't blind your will tonight, whatever I ask for, you say you'll give. On all of this, my hope is pinned. I offer I am wasted by talking to myself But a thousand years to you is Is but a day And that's why I Turn